Hey there, Punch It listeners, Shar here. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to give you all a little warning that this week's episode isn't up to snuff in terms of the usual audio quality that you come to expect out of the Nerd Party podcast. My computer, for whatever reason, decided to use my internal microphone rather than my awesome external microphone, and therefore you're going to hear a sharp contrast in quality between my voice and Tristan's. It stinks, but... Technical glitches happen every now and then, and that said, I still think that Tristan and I wrote a fantastic conclusion to our encounter at Farpoint Rewrite, so I hope you'll still tune in and enjoy, and of course, as always, we'd love your feedback. Thanks, and now on with the show! Welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum Warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, this is Punch It, episode 42. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me as always is... Charlene Schmidt. Today is a continuation, Char. A part two, if you will. As if... If this was a Star Trek episode, they would say last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. That is correct. So, what we did is we started writing Encounter at Farpoint, the Star Trek The Next Generation premiere, as if it was being produced in 2017. And we said in the episode this was a bit of a challenge because Star Trek The Next Generation came a long way in its seven years. It started out a little rough became the beloved series that we love. But it took a little bit of work and a little bit of refining. And in 2017, we don't get that chance. You gotta hit the ground running or else you are gone. So with that mindset, we started writing and we filled up an episode and said, well, you know what? We reached a good point where we hit part one of the episode as well as the podcast and said, we're doing part two. It's time for the conclusion. It really is, and uh, you know what? This this was very rude of me because I just kind of went right into it. How are you, Shar? How are you doing? <laughs> well, I am doing just fine, thank you. How are you doing? I'm a bit tired, but I'm jazzed to be on the podcast. I'm always jazzed to be doing Punch It with the one and only only Charlene Schmidt. And Aww. before we get into it, I do want to say that we had a suggestion on Twitter After we did this episode, after we did last week's episode, we had a suggestion on Twitter that we absolutely 100% need to rewrite Star Trek Nemesis since we're rewriting Encounter at Farpoint. And that might have a sense of agreeable symmetry, if you know what I'm saying. Like we're rewriting the very first entry of The Next Generation, and then we'd be rewriting the very last entry of The Next Generation. I did not think about that when we got that suggestion. I thought it was a great suggestion just because Nemesis could really use some love. And while we're taking on extraordinary challenges, well, there's one. (laughs) So, but the bookend aspect, oh, uh, is that what we're going to do next week? I don't, should we do it next week? Is that too much Star Trek? Is there such a thing? I don't know. I don't know if there is such a thing as too much Star Trek. But I don't know if we should space it out or not. I think we should contemplate it. Let's give it a few days. Let's let it percolate in our brains, and then we'll decide. And so then when this next podcast comes out, it gets to be a surprise for the listeners. 
I think that's a great idea, and uh, and everyone, if uh, if you want to be cool like uh, some of these other people who are giving us ideas on what to talk about, what to work on, what you can do is you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop-down menu, fill out the form, that'll send us an email right to our doorstep, and uh, you can also find us on Twitter at joinnerdparty, and uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerdparty is where the conversation's happening, where you can find all of our previous episodes as well as all of our, all of our other shows. We got Star Wars shows, Star Trek shows, Harry Potter shows, General Geek shows, everything that you could possibly imagine, and uh, and also you can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin, and you can find me at Oh the Profanity. And I don't know about you, Tristan, but I love talking Star Trek. So hit me up. Let's talk some Star Trek anytime, all the time. Absolutely. Okay, so let's just go ahead. I, what we did last week, we're not going to give a blow by blow, but we took the premise. We didn't really, we didn't actually abandon too terribly much. We just kind of tweaked and altered, and we we front loaded it a little bit more. Where we see uh, Picard, he's on his previous ship. It's post Stargazer, pre Enterprise. I believe I pulled a name right out of a hat and called it the Be- the USS Beijing. And yes, I believe so. I don't know why, uh, but I did. That's okay. He's in negotiations. He's trying to ne- negotiate peace. He does a great job. It gets noticed by Starfleet. He gets called to HQ. They say, we're totally giving you the Enterprise because you're awesome. He's like, sweet, show me the way. We flash forward a little bit in time, and then we see him on the ship and he's giving a tour to data because he's he he wants to get to know data on a on a personal level because data's an interesting character and blah 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 uh we get to know the ship a little bit more and then we go to farpoint station which is not on a planet it's actually a legit space station and the reason why they're actually at like riker crusher and geordie are at Farpoint Station. The reason why they're there is because the Federation is inter- Starfleet is interested in incorporating this, annexing this, whatever, merging with this in order to make it Deep Space Five or Deep Space Six or something like that. Right. Anybody but nine, as I recall. Anyone but nine, and uh, Riker's there to open up negotiations, and then I think Jordy he gets stopped at the door like for he they believe yeah. that his visor is some sort of surveillance device and so they hold him yeah. they take it from him like they kind of i don't know they hold him at customs or something to that yeah effect. yes something like exactly yeah and then yeah crusher has to come to his defense basically and say hey uh this guy needs it and it's fine it's not going to gather intelligence or anything this is not some espionage thing so mm-hmm. let it be. And it shows off her medical expertise. Jordy's impressed that she knows as much as she does about the visor. And so we get to know our characters and they get to show off a little bit more, and I would say a more productive way than what we got to see in Encounter at Farpoint. I think that's what we're going for is just more efficiency. You have to have that in 2017 writing. More motivated business. More, you know. Yeah, walking uh, and talking. Act, yeah, exactly. And And so Picard and company... They make it to Farpoint Station. They get the hail. The three of them go onto the ship. They make their rounds. They make their introductions. It's all very similar to what we kind of saw. And one thing that's special about this station, something that we kept from the original encounter at Farpoint, is that it's powered uniquely. And it's not organically, but it, it is powered, and it's powered by some sort of wave, like they like waves that are emanating from a central point. 
and they've never investigated it before. Like the people who made the station, they're just kind of like, yeah, it's it's rough terrain to get there. The waves get stronger and stronger when you get to the source and we don't have the technology to get there, but we do have the technology to harness it. And so Picard's like, well, it's a good thing we have a galaxy class starship because now we can investigate what this is. Now, I call what did I call this last week? The what oh. imminent, what made the waves? Did I say I don't pulsars know. or oh, qu- quasars? You, you said it was quasars, and I had to correct you and say, dude, no, quasars are way out in the distant universe. They're not anywhere near our galaxy. And then I think uh, pulsars is what you meant. That is what I meant. You yeah, corrected okay. me via text, and I was like, dang it, I made a fool of myself in front of the nerds. Oh. So hopefully you guys can forgive me. <laughs> We're not legit scientists just because we are Star Trek fans. that's very true and i'm sure that there's some star trek fans out there who believe that they are we do not have to be qualified i mean some many star trek fans are scientists and vice versa but we are not among them and so what happens is is that they go to investigate it it's like i said it's a rough terrain it's a rough ride but the galaxy class starship can make it and that's that gives picard the uh, the ability to say let's see what this galaxy class starship can do and then all of a sudden we realize that they disturbed something. When they get to the, I'm going to screw this up, pulsars, not quasars. When they get to the pulsars, <laughs> they trigger something, something gets tripped. And then I think it's, we decided it was Riker, Yar, and Data. No, Riker, Yar, and Picard, right? Get taken over to the courtroom because now the trial oh, yeah. has begun with Q, correct? Correct. Yes, the trial has begun. And we have to keep the trial the same style because we see it again in all good things absolutely and honestly i don't know if i would want to change it neither do i and so like like we're now into it we gave you that recap and now we can go full-fledged into it so we're at the trial and you know q's decked out in his robes it's this uh it's this past kind of looking trial and so it is basically our future Right? Something along those lines? Yes. In the not-too-distant future, I want to say late 21st century? I hope I got that right. Like on Memory Alpha, they describe it as a World War III-style courtroom. Okay, so that's 21st century because in First Contact, they had just gotten over, more or less, World War III. So post-World War III, but pre-First Contact. Correct. All right. So we're in it. And it's, uh, remind me again, Picard, Riker, Yar. Yes, not Data. We excluded Data. And it used to be Data, Yar, Picard, and Troy. Now, are we excluding Troy? Like, are we going to give her a moment later? What do you think? I think we ought to give her a moment in the sun a little bit later in the story. Uh, She, I don't know if she's really essential to this. What is she going to say to Picard about Q that is going to tell us something that we don't know? Like... (laughs) I can't sense anything out of him, Captain. But (laughs) in that really weird accent that she does. It's all like in the back of the throat. It's all... I can't even reproduce it. I can't emulate it if I tried. Okay, so now here's the thing. Is that in Encounter at Farpoint... Farpoint, excuse me. uh, Q was a little vague. Like they were never supposed to make it out this far. Like that's that's the whole deal. But the thing is, is that... They kind of already were there, and Farpoint Station is there, so another species is out that far. 
and I, I'm sure that they're not the first humans to be at Farpoint Station. And yes, so we were trying to figure out why. Why now? Why is Q putting humanity on trial now? I think it's the Enterprise. I think this is the most advanced starship in the fleet. And it has the best of the best of the best in its crew. And they were the first ship, the first sentient beings enabled to traverse the crazy waves created by the pulsars. And these are, and if there are scientists out there listening, these are, and, and you're saying, oh, well, pulsars don't create that kind of waves or whatever. What? Shut up. All right. They're special pulsars that we've never encountered before. <laughs> Fair enough. I can go along with that. And so that's what I'm thinking is that like, we like in Star Trek, there's two things that I think they mainly pride themselves in. It's their unity of the human race as well as other alien beings, like them coming together, mm-hmm. being a federation, and also the advancement in technology, replicators, transporters, starships, everything like that. And so the only way that you can create something as powerful as a galaxy-class starship is if you unite as a federation and you pool the minds of hundreds of worlds and trillions of people. Mm-hmm. And so the best and the brightest, right? Exactly. And so Q recognizes this. The Q continuum recognizes this. And since the galaxy class starship is the epitome of everything that is the Federation, we got families on the ship. We got a diplomat at the helm. We got the most advanced engine, the most advanced sensors, the most advanced everything. And it is the flagship of this unifying Federation of over 150 planets at this time or something like that. Something like that. Plus, we have a Klingon on board. Yes, we have yes. a variety of non-human races all working and acting together as one for a common greater good. Love it. So and- is Q's approach going to be, we never really expected you to get out this far and make it this far. Humanity should have destroyed itself centuries ago. And maybe even that's why that's set in World War Three, po- post-World War Three courtroom. And Mm -hmm. maybe he even references first contact where he doesn't, I know that like the, the idea and the concept of first contact hasn't happened yet, but we could. We're retconning a little if we go here. I know. But the thing is he doesn't mention Vulcans, but he can, maybe we can like slip in some retcon where he says, he's like, you never should have united like this. You are centuries ahead of your time of what we thought you were going to be. And if it wasn't for first contact, you never would have made it this far. It's just a throwaway reference. Oh, I like it because we know, well, okay. We learned that Zephram Cochran invented the warp drive. Right. Basically from the original series. Do we know that he made first contact from the original series? No, no. Okay. So that is some retconning, but Hey, go with (laughs) it. We're making this up. (laughs) So, so Q, his goal is what? Here. Yeah, I think that's the thing. What's his goal? What's he trying to prove? What's he trying to say? Because like, in the original Encounter Four Point, his whole thing was, you, we didn't think you were going to make it out this far this fast, and you're not ready for what's to come. With our version, it's you have advanced too quickly, which is kind of the same thing. Kind of. Little you're in bit. the same family tree. Yeah. A little umbrella. bit. Like, where, like, he focuses on distance, we're focusing on advancement of the species. Right. We're talking about achievement. So, is Q kind of going for, Q 
can you keep up this pace? Are you are you really ready to be this far out? Maybe you want to slow down or what if there's things in the universe you have not even conceived of? How are you going to deal with that? You think you're advanced now? Oh, you just wait until you learn more. What if you barely survived as a species in World War III? What if this causes a World War IV or something like that? What if what causes World War IV? Them going out this far. You know, like them exploring, meeting new species, exploring strange new worlds and everything like that. Like, what if this... Hmm. Okay, okay. So dialogue-wise, if Q is saying things like, what if, I mean, what if the galaxy goes to war against you? Or what if there are forces way more powerful than you that could just destroy you in the blink of an eye? How are you going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. I think Picard could come back and say, hey, look, we have forged peace with a lot of our enemies as we have explored space. We have made peace with the Klingons. The Romulans are a little quiet, but we've managed mm -hmm. to handle them. He could throw out a couple of examples like that. Yeah, I th say, I think we are ready. And I think maybe that is where Q then therefore says, all right, prove it. The trial is on. So, so are we okay with, like, we okay with me, like, referencing the whole World War Four ordeal? Well, like, I is don't it... want to say World War Four because that's very Earth-centric of us. True, I'm very true. I'm thinking we got to have, like, galactic war, intergalactic, interstellar, yeah. something like that. Well, what I mean, like, what if he, what if he talks about how, what if the very thing that you're striving for, unification of the quadrant, is the very thing that unravels and destroys it, and then maybe oh. as we're watching Deep Space Nine, we start to understand what Q was talking about. Ooh. Like maybe that's what Q was talking about the entire time. Right now, this is something that we can only figure out in retrospect. Yes, this is not exactly retconning because Q would be very vague here. He wouldn't talk about the changelings. He wouldn't talk about the Gamma Quadrant. He wouldn't talk about the Founders or the Dominion or anything like that. Right. He would just talk but about... let's... Like, hypothetically, what if that did plant a seed for Deep Space Nine, though? How wicked would that be? I think that would be really, really cool. And then also, Q could play the whole, I'm just trying to protect you angle like we've been <laughs> he's the good guy yeah he's yeah he's the quote-unquote good guy he's the one who's like he's like listen i like humans i love the federation you guys just aren't ready yet and we know he's got a crush on jean-luc <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah i'm moving on past that uh but okay so what if he plays that card where he's very condescending which i mean he is q is a very condescending being. Well, of course, he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. Right. And so, John. These are little ants. Yeah, Jean Luc doesn't like having training wheels on. He's like, that's the entire reason why he's in Starfleet. I can't remember exactly if there was a threat in Farpoint, and I, I apologize for this because I just watched it, but maybe that's the reason why I'm having this vague conception of it because there wasn't really a threat. It was just Q saying, hey, I charge you for being a savage race. And he didn't actually give the threat until All Good Things where he said, he's like, you're not just going to be denied existence. Uh, you're not just going to be denied travels through space. You're going to be denied existence. Yeah, in Counter Farpoint, what are the stakes really? Uh, Q was really vague. Oh my gosh. So we Let's can just, make the stakes. Yes, let's do that. Let's actually give this a little more structure. 
okay, so let's give All Good Things even a little bit more weight where maybe this is the threat of denied travel through space. And that's what makes Picard bring it up again at All Good Things. He's like, are you going to deny us travel through space? And then Q says, no, I'm going to deny your very existence. Right, and then he can take it that step further. This is a much more logical progression of that. So great. So we don't hear the existence part in our episode. What we hear is denied travel. Yes. So what is Q going to do? Is he just going to bomb us into the Dark Ages is he going to make warp drive impossible? Because we don't really know that Q is an omnipotent being quite yet. We just know that he's just this guy. <laughs> he, he could do anything or he could do very little. I don't think we need to get too terribly specific. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think maybe Picard even asks that. Like, how? How would you keep us that way? And that's kind of where he explains what the continuum is. Okay, and then we're learning about the continuum much earlier on. Yeah, we get a little bit more. He said, it's like, we're all powerful. We'll, we are everywhere. We can stop you with whatever means we deem necessary. Maybe he can even give a few examples. He's like, we can create a barrier around your solar system. I can, we can strip every single warp drive from existence. We, like, Ooh, we could do we do bring that? you back to quadrupeds, you know, or something like that. Like, does he make an example of the Enterprise? Does he wreak havoc on the Enterprise? And the crew does not know why things are going on, and they are. I don't want to do that too terribly much, because the reason why is because we need to be impressed by this ship. This needs to be... <laughs> because that's the thing, like, we, we showcase this incredibly impressive starship. And it's the most advanced thing. And that's the entire reason what triggers Q. And because we don't want to do the Worf syndrome where Worf <laughs> is the badass, but then he gets the, the crap kicked out of him at every single episode. I was just going to mention that as the example of, are we going to do to the Enterprise what happens to Worf almost every single week? Because you're right, we do want this to still have some status as a really powerful ship, but... Do you show that it is still weak by Q mucking with it? But yeah, the whole wharf factor, that whole thing, it makes me reluctant to want to do that. Yeah. So, so maybe Q can just say something. He can just punch you back into oblivion and think nothing of it. Ooh, what if? Yeah, since this is twenty, ooh, ooh, if since this is twenty seventeen, what if? I love that visual of punch you into oblivion. What if he kind of pushes Picard physically? Like he pushes Picard's chest and then everything blurs real quick and he's thrown back. But then all of a sudden he's back on earth or he's back in time or he's back in the stone age. But everybody's wearing Starfleet uniforms and there's no technology or it's an apocalypse. I don't know. Something something weird. Something that shows Picard Q is not screwing around and he can do whatever he wants. Okay, I kind of like it. I also have a vision of, like you mentioned, seeing Earth back in the Stone Age. What if you watch Earth in the 24th century become that? Just completely devolve somehow. Just visually fade from one thing to the other and all of a sudden, everything that humanity has worked for in the last several centuries, gone. You have to rebuild. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're saying the same thing. Okay. I think we're absolutely saying the same <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. All right, cool. So we have therefore displayed the threat. And I think that's about as much right. as we need to know about Q at this point. We don't need to go into too many absolutely. details. 
We know that he's powerful and he can really screw with us if he wants. So what is the challenge then? Yes. Yeah, so what is the challenge? Now, do we keep it centered around Farpoint Station? Is that the challenge? Getting that into the Federation or the, like Picard thinks that it's into the Federation or like or getting it into Starfleet and it, like there seems to be something more. Do they need to leave Farpoint Station and do something else? What do you think? Hmm. I wonder at this point if we need to integrate a little bit about these Pulsar-esque or whatever energy things that are running Farpoint Station. I wonder if we need to bring that into the story and tie this with the Q plot just so we can have a little bit of resolution here. Because otherwise, where are we going with that? We can't just drop it. Yeah, I don't know. Because I, like, I, in, in my head, I introduced it mainly just for it to be a trigger for Q. Mm. Like, it's a, it was a boundary point. I think we need more than that. Now, the fact that the Enterprise's really sensitive sensors picked it up, that's one thing. But we need to develop that more if we're actually going to run with it, I think. What if we did take a little bit of what we saw in Encounter at Farpoint where these are not actually pulsars? What if these are energy beings, previously undetectable, and they eventually figure out, oh, this isn't just energy, this this is life, this is a sentient being. And maybe like maybe these pulsars, now that they know that it's been detected and triggered, maybe it's reacting in a certain way that they figure out it's a form of communication and maybe the trial is recognizing this form of life that doesn't speak a known language, does not communicate the way that we do, is not a biped, comprehends the universe in a completely different light and still respecting the fact that it is life and letting it live its life. I don't know. Is but it... that's ex- that is exactly to the T. <laughs> Cross the T, dot the I's, exactly right, what Encounter 4 right. point is. Well, more or yeah, minus Grappler Zorn, which is fine. Yeah, all you're doing is taking out Zorn and moving the the organic beings off of a a planet deeper into space. That's and then we've basically cha- we've changed very little. Yeah. Uh, I would like to take it back to the station. I want to take it back to the station. I want to make it a little bit more intimate, a little bit a little bit more of a mystery where I love Star Trek is all about identifying things that we don't know exist and relating with things that we that we didn't think that we could relate with but i kind of for some reason something pops in my brain where what if the mystery of farpoint station the reason why it works so well is it's not so much the pulsars the energy waves yeah but maybe there is a disposable workforce on farpoint station that is key in collecting the waves so it's not the pulsars themselves, but some like some sort of workforce, maybe some sort of alien race that collect the waves. I don't. I, I want to say that they're corporeal. I want to say maybe they're bipeds, maybe they're not. I don't know. But you want to make it more direct. I do. I do. I want to make it more direct. I know some people might hate that because Star Trek is all about the sci-fi and the subtlety and not hitting you over the head with it even though sometimes they did in Star Trek. But <laughs> with this one, I want to make it more, I guess, does that take away some of the specialness of it where we make it more direct and more obvious where, of course, Picard and company wouldn't stand for the enslavement 
and forced labor of an alien race. Right. I'm thinking Measure of a Man and things like uh, the holographic miners on Voyager, where all the EMH Mark Ones went. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, we've already done that. But in this kind of timeline, no, we have not. However, I do feel that is too direct. I think we do need a little bit of Star Trek mystique. Okay. Because I was thinking more uh, Equinox than Measure of a Man. Oh, okay. But we don't have to go that way. I mean, we, like, absolutely, we don't have to go that way. We can... Okay, but... Um, like, what is the mystery? That, like, what's the catch? What is different about Farpoint Station besides just collecting energy in a different way? Right, right. This is kind of the hard part, is how do you have this integrate with Q's challenge in a Star Trek context? and make it relevant with a message. So, Char, what about this? What about this? Okay, so instead of going like the Equinox route or the Measure of a Man route and having disposable people on the station, and instead of saying that the Pulsars are are the beings, kind of like the original Farpoint station, what if we make it a little bit more indirect, like, like you said, like a little less in your face where the Pulsars aren't the organic beings, the Pulsars aren't the beings themselves, but the waves are generated from the pulsars and the pulsars are a gateway to another dimension, another realm of existence, another realm of space or something like that. Something that we've never seen before. But somehow when Farpoint Station collects the energy, it's actually taking it away from this other realm that we know very little about, but we know that it's harmful. Like it's somehow maybe, I don't know, tearing through subspace or something and destroying whatever is on the other end or sucking the life out of it. And maybe that is the danger to Farpoint Station is after a while, eventually Farpoint is going to be in danger of being of like imploding. I mean, I, I don't know if that makes any sense physics wise, but y- do you kind of get what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> it's, it's Star Trek physics. It never makes any sense. But I guess... I'm a little I'm a little resistant to that because I think where we're going is we need to make Picard make the choice that's not the best for even his reality or his federation oh. or his realm. Yes, you are right. What he needs to do is with absolutely nothing to lose or actually with absolutely nothing to gain and actually lose, he has to decide mm-hmm. for the betterment of Whatever is on the other side, maybe he doesn't even know. And he's just simply respecting it. And maybe this is where Troy comes in. The reason why they know that there's something on the other side is Troy uses her, I can feel something. Pain (laughs) and despair. Pain, pain. Um, That was Kirk. And so that... Oh, oh, I think that was Spock. No, that was Spock. No, I thought that was... Oh, wait. I don't know. With the Horda? Yeah, Spock's... Oh, that was Spock. Okay, okay, okay. I'm getting everybody confused. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're on board with me here. I'm glad we figured this out. So Farpoint Station, but the thing is, like, whoever is in charge of Farpoint Station or whoever Riker was negotiating with, Picard. And this would work well towards the beginning too, where Picard, the administrators say, like, listen, if you cut off our energy supply, we're gonna have to find something new, and we're not going to let you make this Deep Space Five. Right, and Picard says fine and we will help you relocate and he knows that like and then they say the like isn't that why you were brought out here isn't that why you were sent here is to coordinate this bring it in and then so 
I'm not saying we get there yet, but this also ties in directly to why he got the Enterprise, where HQ, the Admirals, contact him via subspace, and they're like, what the hell happened? This was your first mission on the Enterprise. We sent you out there <laughs> to make sure that Farpoint Station became Deep Space Five, and you didn't achieve it. Why should we trust you with a second mission? And that's where Picard gets indignant and says, you put me here to make the decision, not just to follow orders. And are we not out here to explore strange new worlds? Does that also not mean respecting strange new worlds, even if it comes at a cost to us? To our own personal gain, absolutely. And so, I mean, there's a very Star Trek mission and message and all of that. And then all of a sudden we're transported back to the courtroom. Yes. I love it. They passed. Mm -hmm. For now. But of course, there's always got to be that promise that Q will make a return because he does. <laughs> but he got out of this one and they may continue to explore for the time being. We will see you around. Out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, there's, I think, the big... The big crux of our story. Now, I want to talk just for a short moment about little moments. We mentioned Troy earlier. We've not given her much mm -hmm. to do. We didn't give Yara a whole lot to do either. But I think one thing we should keep from Encounter at Farpoint is the little conversation they had in each other's mind. We want to know that there's a little something going on between these two from the get-go. Yes? From Riker and Troy. Absolutely. They are Imzadi. Oh, 100%. You you know, you know me. You know I love Riker. You know I love Riker and Troy and and they're my you favorite relationship. Oh, I ship them hard and it's uh I very much am a fan of that. Very much so. And Okay. Um, and maybe we yeah. even do a little more with that to just emphasize it that much more just like I don't know how how intimate they are, how maybe how difficult it is to suddenly see each other again not expecting it i would love to see them lose control a little bit but then have to stop themselves make it even sexier Ooh, ooh sexy time You're... it's man okay enterprise yeah. has rubbed off just a little bit but I'm, I'm 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 actually okay with it because i do think that Riker and troy this kind of falls in line with their relationship yeah i mean them just kind of falling in and it and then falling out of it and then swinging around for a little while <laughs> Because they were totally swingers. They they were in my mind until they finally decided to settle down and tie the knot. Yeah, they they relapsed constantly. And so let's see this first time that they relapse. I love it. And then maybe they remember why they split up. I mean, they're both here to do a job. They've got careers going just because they're on the same ship. <laughs> this yeah. is not going to make it easier. It's going to make it harder. So we have a moment with Riker. Like Riker gets multiple moments in the sun. Troy gets this moment as well as the moment where she discovers what's on the other side of the pulsars and data has this moment with the tour of the ship picard has several moments geordie has a moment crusher has a moment wharf uh, i don't know if he has room to really have too much going on yeah and you know the thing is is i don't know if we have to do a complete moment for everybody in the first episode there's going to be plenty more of time for everybody to shine at in the sun a little bit what if we have a scene in there where Worf and Yar are training together? Like maybe that is, is that kind of our holodeck scene where we get introduced to the holodeck? That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm glad that you went there because I think that's a natural. Instead of Wesley <laughs> and Data, we don't need Data whistling. Somebody asked me on Twitter, does Data still whistle 
in your encounter at Farpoint re- rewrite? And I said, I don't know. You'll have to listen and find out. My answer is no, don't care. I don't like whistling. No, not a, not on this one. No, I don't think it's that important. But yeah, let's like that's how we show the hologram where like we're in the thick of it where we don't. It's not a scene where we see Riker walk in where we know it's fake. We're just we smash cut to a scene where maybe that's the introduction to Worf where Yar is fighting a Klingon. Ooh, and we don't really know why at first that he's a Starfleet officer even. We have no idea that Worf is a, is a Starfleet officer and she's fighting. They're going like she's about to like quote unquote lose her life. And then we hear in program and then it fades away. And then we hear Lieutenant Worf and he goes, yes, sir. You know, and I love it. That's when we it. know we're like, holy crap. Oh, a Klingon officer. Are you kidding? Me? Right, right. And then like these two, man, they are mad skills fighters. And maybe even Worf asks Yar, where did you learn to train like that? And then she can have her little bit of, oh, I lived on a horrible planet, rape gangs, yada, 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 her spiel. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I think that's a great introduction for... Dude, That is, I wish that happened. That is such a good oh, introduction. Oh, me too. Could you imagine, like, say they have a holographic program where maybe they're in some uh, arena or something, you know? It's it's like Sinkatsi in the holodeck, though. You know, people are watching, people are cheering, there's blood, it's just, it's a mad race to the death almost, except, of course, it's on the holodeck. Yeah, I think I think that's great. That's why it shows off the holodeck, shows off their skills, shows off their backstories, gives a really cool reveal to a Klingon officer, you know, on the Enterprise, which is a big deal. And gives them something to do, introduces these characters a little bit, and gives them one little moment in the sun. We have done our job. Everybody has a moment. Everybody's introduced. And we know who everybody is and what their skills are. We did it. We did it. I'm impressed with us, Tristan. We did it. (laughs) Yes. All right, everyone. So please let us know what you thought of this episode. Did you like our version of Encounter at Firepoint? Now, while we don't like the original, we still love the show. Absolutely. Can't say that enough. Hopefully you didn't see our talk as disrespect for the for the next generation because that is not what at all it is this is where the only reason why we're doing this is because we respect the series so much and we wanted to take a different spin with the premiere episode so right we're doing this because we love it absolutely so you heard all all of our contact info at the top of the show and all you need to know is go to the nerdparty.com for more and whether we're going to talk about nemesis next week or not whatever we're going to do we're going to punch it gonna get so punched just like this episode ready for warp sir let's punch it join the revolution join the nerd party